Well, if you have your Bible, today we're going to be looking in Psalm chapter 139 and verse number 1. And so if you would like to uh, turn there, do that and just go right to the middle of your Bible. You ought to hit Psalms pretty quickly. And so Psalm 139, verse number 1. Today we're actually beginning a new series of of messages. Now the theme for the year is called Big. And our, our focus for this month is Big God, that God is big. And I want us to, I want us to go through this and just take a look at the bigness of God because I think sometimes we kind of, we forget just how big God is. And I think sometimes we think that God is a part of my life on Sunday and then, you know, Monday through Saturday, I've got all of that under control and that, that all belongs to me. But I, but I want us to see that, that God is probably for most people larger and bigger and more powerful than we recognize or realize. Now, I'm going to segue a little bit here. I I, uh, I read an article the other day about surveillance cameras. Now, when I read stuff like this, it, it makes me a little, I'm, a, I'm already a little bit geared towards being paranoid anyway, but then you see stuff like this and I'm just, it's just about over the top for me. Uh, there was an article about a billboard company that wants to start putting some surveillance cameras in their billboard so that when people drive by, they are able to see the drivers coming by just to see if their faces look up towards the billboards so they can know whether or not, you know, if this billboard is effective, if people are looking at it, being drawn to it. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that just sort of wigs me out. And so now when I see billboards, I just got my head straight down into the you know, into the dashboard because I don't want anybody looking at me. But the more I watch the news, the more I'm starting to feel like we live in a, in a more and more of a surveillance kind of era, a surveillance state. I'm sure you've all heard some of the same stories that I have. You know, like if you have your phone and it's on, somebody could be looking at you right now. Isn't that, have you all ever heard that before? Smart televisions. Uh, that, that there's people that can actually, I mean, you can just be living your daily life in your home, your TV's off, but through your smart television, there could be somebody watching you. Now, again, I think about that, and I'm starting to dress up whenever I'm in my house by myself, because I don't want think, pe- people to think that I'm looking weird. And so, I, and you start to get to a place where you're like, is there anywhere that I can go, and I can just be alone, where no one's watching me? You know, where I have my little sanctuary of space and I can be a completely private person. Now, I, I long for a place like that. But whenever we talk about the bigness of God, and this isn't to make you feel strange about God, but I want you to understand that when it comes to God, that God always has his eyes on you. God knows everything about you. And so that's why we're looking in Psalm 139. Because in Psalm 139, David wrote this psalm, King David did. This psalm is known as the crown jewel of all of the psalms. Because it's in this psalm where we see the bigness, the largeness of God and his strength and his power. And so I hope that this passage of scripture today is going to be encouraging to you. I hope that whenever you look at this passage of scripture, that you're going to recognize that God is very big. And it's my hope that you'll come away also recognizing that in comparison to God, that we're pretty small. 
So what does Psalm 139 have to teach us today? Well, one of the things we're going to see is that we're going to find out that God is very connected with the lives of people. And whenever I say the lives of people, I I mean you. God is very interwoven into your life. He is connected to every part of your life. And it's through this that we are going to see the bigness of God. So the question for me is, well, just how big is God? You know, what, what are some of these attributes of God that demonstrate how big he is? Well, the very first thing I see in our text is this, that God is omniscient. And very simply, those words, two Latin words, and it means all-knowing. That God is all-knowing. And we see this in the first six verses of Psalm 139. Listen to what it says. David wrote this. He said, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty, and I am unable to reach it. Now, as you go through those six verses, what you begin to see is that God's knowledge of you it is pretty much all-encompassing. And in one sense, I, I think it's really neat to think that the God who is the creator of all people, the God who has made billions of people, he knows you intimately. So that's really neat. But there's other parts of it that I go, oh my gosh, God really does know me. I mean, it says he searches me, he knows me, he knows when I sit down, he knows when I stands up, he understands my thoughts. Before a word is on my tongue, God knows what it is I'm going to say. God knows you. Now the question is, how well does he know you? Now there was a, a story about a telemarketer that was calling a house, and he, he called, and a little boy answered the phone. And he answered the phone and said, hello. And the telemarketer was kind of a little taken aback. He said, hey, uh, I, who am I speaking to? He said, this is Jimmy. And he kept whispering. He said, Jimmy, how old are you? He said, I'm four years old. He said, well, can I speak to maybe your mom or your dad? He said, I, he said, they're busy right now. He said, well, is there another adult in the house that I could speak to? He said, yeah, there's some policemen here. He said, well, can I speak to one of them? He said, they're busy. He said, uh, well, is anybody else there? He said, well, there's firemen here. He said, well, can I talk to them? He said, they're busy as well. He said, Jimmy, you have a lot of people in your house. He said, uh, why do, what are they so busy for? He said, they're all looking for me. Now, I think, I think sometimes, you know, we, we think about God, we think we can hide from God, and uh, God's just looking for me. Now, he knows who I am, but he can't quite find me. Well, the first six verses show us that God is all-knowing. Now, if God is indeed all-knowing, well, what does he know? Well, for starters, he knows you. If again, if you look in verse number one, look what it says. It says, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. That word search, when it says God is searching for you, it means God has explored you. He, he's looking into your life. And then that word known very simply means revealed. So as God searches and explores you, 
Everything about you is revealed to God. Nothing is hidden from God. And it reminds me of a James's wife is going to have a baby. Uh, Lauren, so we announced that. They announced that just a few weeks ago. Lauren is right back there. Lauren, why don't you lift up your hand? So that's Lauren. Lauren is with child. She's not just gained weight. And so uh, Lauren is going to have a baby. And so they go in. Whenever, whenever you're going to have a baby, they go in. And they put this stuff on your, you know, your stomach, this gel stuff. And uh, they put that on your stomach and they get this little, I don't know what it is. Y'all, I'm just up here, t- I'm making this stuff up. So you get, the, you get this little thing and they stick it on your stomach. And there's a scream, right? The ultrasound, right? So they, they rub it around and, they, and what you're able to see inside will just blow your mind. Now, whenever Emily was going to have a baby, they did that. The technology is not, was not as good back then as it is today. I mean, I'm looking, I'm just acting like I know, oh yeah, I see the baby. I was like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. It's like a peanut or something in there. But today, the ultrasounds, have y'all seen those ultrasounds they have today? And like, they, and like in color. And they, you can look and you can see the kid's face. And uh, you can see its arms and its legs. And then they, they do that part where you can see the heart. You know, the four chambers, isn't that right? Four chambers, it's like, you know, just beaten away. It's hidden but when they do the ultrasound, you can see what's on the inside. That, that's God. That's God's knowledge of you. The things that are hidden, God is able to look in and see who you are. Now, it's not a cursory knowledge of who you are. It's not like if we were in heaven and somebody said, uh, like if somebody came up to God and said, God, do you know Gary Collins? And it's not like God would sit there and say, Gary Collins. God, that name rings a bell. But, you know, I can't quite put my finger on it. That, that's not that's not how God knows you. Whenever it says that God knows you, it means he knows you intimately. David said this. He said, he knows when I sit down and when I stand up. That's pretty specific. Proverbs 5.21 says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he considers all of his paths. Now, verse number three of our text gives us a good picture of this. It says, God observes my travels and my rest. It says, and you are aware of all my ways. That word aware, it means to be familiar with. It means to know your habits. Now, think about that. God knows your natural tendencies. And that makes sense. Because God is the one who made us. And whenever God made you, he hardwired you in specific ways. He knows what makes you tick. His knowledge of you is so deep that he even knows your words before you ever speak them. How does God know us like this? Well, our text, it tells us that God encircles us. And whenever it talks of God encircling you, It means that God, he is beside you, he is above you, he is below you. God has a 360 degree view of your life. So that means that he notices everything about you. Now sometimes we think we can trick God or trick people into knowing who we really are. You know, if I don't, if I don't like somebody, you know, I think, well, I can just plaster a fake smile on my face and and, you know, pass it off and make them think everything's good with us. While on the inside, I'm thinking I am very bitter towards you. But I got the smile on and I can hide it from you. 
Sometimes we think that there are things in, in our past that we've done that we know that are wrong. But we think if I never reveal those things, if I put on this front of being a good person, no one will ever find out what I used to be like. Sometimes we think we can do that with God. Can't do that with God. God sees everything. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, the omniscience of God can bring comfort to those of us who are followers of God, but it's not for this reason. It's not because we say, well, God knows me, I'm a follower of God, and he knows that I'm better than everybody else. Now, that's not it. The Bible's very clear that every person falls short of the glory of God. We are all people who are in need of redemption. So then why should we find joy in God's omniscience? Because of this, because God knows you. He knows everything about your life. He knows all the deep, dark, dirty secrets of your life. And then God says, but I choose to love you anyway. Romans 5a says God demonstrates his own love towards us in this and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now you'll notice that God doesn't look at us and say, I know you. I know what's inside of you. You are foul. You are a phony. And I don't want you. That's not what God does. God says, I see what's inside of you. I know who you are. And I love you anyway. Now how cool is that? God knows everything about you. And yet he chooses to love you. Now, for those who don't follow Jesus, the, om- the omniscience of God should be a little frightening. Because God does see who we are. And God knows that if we have not put ourselves under his leadership, then God will hold us accountable for how we live. So how big is God? God's omniscient. How big is God? He's not just omniscient. He's also omnipresent means all present. Now look with me in verse number 7. David said, where can I go to escape your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will... And the light around me will become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You know, if if you get used to the dark, it's a little bit tough when you first come into the light. Now, we all experience this every morning. Uh, Whenever you get up in the morning, you know, I don't know how you all are, but I know when I get up in the morning... I will go into the bathroom and I will leave the lights off for as long as possible, trying to get as ready as much as possible without turning on the lights. Because what happens when you turn on the lights? You're, you immediately, you're just like, it's like, it's a shock. The lights come on, your eyes, you know, they start watering, you squint and you're like, ah, and then you have that mirror and you look at yourself like, oh my, I look terrible. The light is exposing 
you know, you don't feel good, and then you see what you really look guy look like. And, I, and I'm like, I look so much better in the dark. You know, and so we, we want to stay away from the light for as long as possible. Same thing's true spiritually. Because the light, when you've lived in darkness, the light exposes you. And so spiritually, we want to stay away from the light for as long as possible because we don't like to be exposed. Uh, John 3.20 says, For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But here's the deal. Light eventually catches up with you. You can stay in the dark for as long as you want in your bathroom, but guys, guess what? The sun is coming up. It always does that. We can hide, but it's going to catch us. You know, I think of the Old Testament, the story about Jonah. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah hated the people from Nineveh. God said, I want you to go preach a message of judgment and a message of repentance. And Jonah's like, I am not doing it. And he ran from God. Thought he could hide from God. What happened? God caught up with him. How did he do that? Because he's all-knowing. He's everywhere. And so a big storm comes on the boat where Jonah is. You might remember what happened to Jonah. He ends up in the belly of a great big fish. Think of another story of David. The guy who wrote this psalm. King David committed adultery with a lady named Bathsheba, and he tried to hide it. Tried to keep it secret from God. He thought that he could do it, and then God sent a prophet named Nathan to David to point out his secret sins. Guys, let me tell you something. There are no secrets from God. He knows all things. I think that's why David wrote in our text today. He said, where can I flee from your presence? I can't get away from you, God. You're everywhere. Now, that's the negative side of God's presence being everywhere. But there's a, there's a positive side to God's omnipresence. You know what it is? He'll never leave you. Doesn't matter what you're going through, what you feel like, how you're living, God is always present. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Romans 8, 35 through 39 says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for we, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor, nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, sometimes we can think that we can move so far away from God that we get beyond the reach and the touch of God. We can think, God, I've, I have, I have chased after my own ways for so long that I am now beyond a touch from God. But let me share something with you. God is always present. God is hunting for you. He is going after you. Whenever Emily and I first got married, one of the largest mistakes that we ever made, which was not the marriage, the largest mistake that we made was we bought a beagle. I don't know how many of y'all have dogs. We Buying a beagle, unless you're going to be a hunter, <laughs> don't, don't get a beagle. 
Um, our dog, that dog, it wanted to, it wanted to chase stuff all the time. You know, I mean, if you open the door, that dog would be gone, and we, you know, our neighbors hated us because that dog ran away all the time. It would get a scent of something, and it would not stop running until it caught whatever it was that was in its nose. Now, let me tell you something. That is how God is after you. He has a scent for you because he made you, and he is going to run and chase you and always be after you. See, whenever God made you, he made you for a reason. He made you to follow him. Jesus said in Matthew, or John 10, 27 and 28, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, why, why is God after us so much? Because he made you and he made you for a reason. He made you for a purpose. And he wants you to fulfill the purpose and the reason for which he made you. Now, what did he make us for? Yes, God made you in order to give him glory. Isaiah 43.7 says, Everyone called by my name and created for my glory. He said, I have formed them indeed. I have made him. We're called to live for the glory of God. Now, it's always frustrating when you see something that has been made for a specific reason or purpose, and it's not being used for the reason or purpose for which it's been made. Now, I, I found this story, and I, y'all, I've, I've sh- shared with y'all before. I, I love um, like reality shows, and I, the, what I'm talking about is, you know, there's uh, Deadliest Catch. Uh, the one I've kind of started watching now is Gold Rush. Y'all ever watch that one? Great show. So anyway, so I watch these shows. See, these guys are digging for gold. Well, this is an interesting story. 1799, there's a guy named Conrad Reeves. He's a teenager. He's in North Carolina. He's out fishing. As he's fishing, he's sitting next to this big old rock. And he's like, that's a big rock. So he decides he's going to take it home. I, who thinks I'm going to take a big rock home? He picks up this big rock. It weighs 17 pounds. He takes it home, shows his dad. His dad goes, that's a big rock. We'll use that rock for something. They used it for a doorstop. 17-pound rock. Set it up, open the door, keep it open. Obviously, I don't know where the wife was, because, I mean, what's the deal with that? A 17-pound doorstop. Okay, after three years, they look at that rock, and they think, we ought to clean that thing off. Again, I don't know where the wife is. So after three years, they decide we need to clean the rock off. They clean it off. Guess what it is? It's a 17-pound gold nugget. What in the world? Who are these people? Okay, 17-pound gold nugget. It is the largest nugget ever found east of the Rocky Mountains. And it was a doorstop. Now, guys, I think about that, and I think, there are so many of you, and I mean this in the kindest of terms, who are gold nuggets. And yet you are living your life as a doorstop. Not being what God made you and intended for you to be. You see, whenever I look into scripture, I, I see that I'm valuable. I matter. You matter. You are valuable. That's why we're told in our scripture, God is, God is omniscient. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. He's always with you. He's always chasing after you. Because he made you for his glory and he wants you to live for his glory. But then I see that God is also omnipotent. Very simply, it means all powerful. We get a picture of this in verse 13. It says, for it was you, God, who created my inward parts. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Now, these verses are a reminder to me that God is the creator of all things. Now, for all you Bible scholars out there, Genesis 1.1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created South Carolina, right? And then the heavens and the earth. Okay, God created, now if God created the heavens and the earth, he created all things. That means that he is a God who has all power. And God's power is very personal to each one of us. Now, how is it personal to each one of us? Well, if you look in verses 13 through 16, you find out it's very personal because God is the creator of you. It says, he knit you together in your mother's womb. Now, that phrase, knit together, it is the picture of a seamstress who is carefully using each thread to make a specific garment. God knows you. God made every part of you. And David said, I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. The the adverbs of that sentence, what they are declaring is that God made you specifically just you different than everybody else. Wonderfully and remarkably, it is the picture of God having a mold of you. He made you and then he broke the mold. He is a creative God. Each person is totally unique. Every one of you is different. God made you that way. He made you that way even down to your thumbprint. That's pretty remarkable. Now, you know, we can make some stuff as people. As a matter of fact, I read, I read about the, one of the world's largest computers. It was, uh, it was made in 2007. It's housed in California. I, yeah, I'm not a computer guy, so this, but this is what it says. It was called, it's called the IBM Blue Gene L computer. It can perform 280 trillion calculations a second. Now, that's a lot. But there's another computer that's even bigger than this one. Matter of fact, the computer itself is inside of a building that's about the size of a hockey rink. The, the computer itself is. It's able to perform one quadrillion calculations per second. Now, I don't, I don't even know what that, I think, I think that's a little bit more than a bazillion. A quadrillion. I don't even know what that means. And you say, well, how does that compare to my personal home computer? It is one billion times faster than the computers you have at your house. That's pretty fast. Now here's something that's even more remarkable than that. Did you know that God has created a computer that is ten times faster than the world's largest computer? Your brain. Isn't that amazing? 
inside our tiny heads, God has put a phenomenal, remarkable piece of equipment within us. That, my friends, is pretty nifty handiwork. That is what I would say is a God who has power. He has creative power. He has visionary power. In verse number 15, it says, My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw when I was formless. Guys, God is able to see the hidden things in your life. He's able to see those things deep within you that nobody else sees. He knows what your needs are. He knows what your desires are. He knows what your future is going to be. And we are told that before we ever lived one day, God knew about it. When it it talks about that, that before we lived a day, that God had planned our days before us, it is the picture of an architect working on a sketchbook, writing out the design and the plan for you. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. It means you are not an accident. There is not one person in here who was made by mistake. You were made on purpose. And God is the author of your life. You know, I just think every once in a while we need to be reminded, I know I do, of the bigness of God. God is big. Now sometimes I get sidetracked. And I start to think, I'm big. I'm not big. Matter of fact, I'm realizing more and more, I'm a very small piece of this world. But God is big. But here's what's neat to know. That even though I'm a small piece of this world, God knows me. God knows you. What does he know about us? Well, he knows everything. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. Now here's the big question. While God knows you, do you know God? And I I don't mean the kind of knowledge where you know about him, but where you know him. Where you put yourself under his leadership. And say, God, here I am. I am yours. He made you. You belong to him. Let him have you. For some of you, it might mean that that you need to call out to him for his salvation. For his rescue. For his forgiveness. For you just simply to surrender yourself to the God of this world. And you can do that today. Maybe others of us just simply need to take time and to recognize the bigness and the grandness of God and just simply say, God, thank you that you have considered me valuable. Thank you. Now I'd like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And maybe some of you just simply need to call out to God and just simply say, Jesus, today I want to give myself to you. Lord, I'm going to pledge my allegiance to you. I am a sinner. 
and I need to be rescued. Forgive me. I believe that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Now, if that is something that you have prayed, we'd love for you to share it with us. And you can just take your bulletin out and you can fill out that contact form and tear it out and put it in a basket some of our ushers will be holding as you leave today. And that, that will enable us to get you some information in the mail about growing in a walk with God. Others of you just simply need to take this time right now and just simply with a spirit of thanksgiving say, God, thank you for being mindful of me. God, thank you that you love and you know my children. God, they are precious in your sight. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your bigness. God, I thank you so much that you are not so big that you don't see us. But God, you are so big that you see all of us. God, it is with gratitude that I say thank you. In Jesus' name I pray.